Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile's Sound Notes. Jeff Howie's here. Jeff, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. And Jeff and I do a lot of the training stuff at Leading Agile on different aspects of training. Um, and we got a question recently. Well, it's actually a question that comes up all the time in class. When we talk about fully dedicated teams, I would say most over 75% of the people that I see in the certification classes um, do not have fully dedicated teams, which we're always telling them that they should have. And what about in the stuff that you're doing, Jeff? Do they uh, often have fully dedicated teams only working on one product? You know, it's really rare. Uh, in fact, you know, I would say over the last month or so of the teams I've worked with, um, maybe 20% have been in that persistent team situation where okay. I even have like a persistent, let alone dedicated team on a product. And in most of the cases, it's, I have a team and, and I have, you know, individuals anywhere from 20 to 40% allocation on this project. And then they go to another team and they work on that other project. Okay. Yeah. So can you explain the difference between persistent and dedicated just so that in case anybody didn't pick up on that? Yeah. And I think, um, this is actually a really good terminology to see if, if everyone's aligned on. So if, if I think of a dedicated team, let's say I've got a product or a service that we build, we offer, and, and, and that's all that we do as a team, then I would say, and, and that's my full-time job, you know, is working on that team and the backlog for that particular product or platform or service that we provide. That, that to me is that it's a full-time job. I'm, I'm all in, fully dedicated. The other side of that is you know, maybe I'm an individual and 80% of my time or 50% of my time is on this team working against this one backlog for a particular product. I think at least I'm, I'm always there. So I'm, I'm kind of persistent on that. The other side of that is I'm this project player and I have, you know, this month I'm 30% on, you know, these projects next month, my allocation changes on some of the same, but maybe new projects and the month after that, it changes again. And so I'm really just kind of bumping around based on a utilization and scheduling Gantt chart. Okay. Uh, I want to offer maybe a variation of this too. So one of the things I've seen in a lot of digital agencies is because of the business model, everybody is expected to be on multiple projects all the time, but they're also with completely different groups of people all the time. So it's 20% on this, 30% on that, 50% on the other, and a different configuration of humans for each situation all throughout the course of the day. Yeah. yeah. Like hyper, hyper changing. Um, yep. And so there's a lot of reasons that, that people like us would say this is a bad idea. I want to offer a couple, but I think probably the most obvious is the context switching. I think context switching is one. And then the other that really comes to mind is just like reliability. And so I, I, and a lot of times they go together. So here's the example, right? Let's say you and I are on a team together and, you know, today I'm, I'm 20% on a particular thing where we have an interaction. And so for myself in that 20%, let's say I'm 20% on five things. It's like for an eight hour day, I, the time between the thing I do for 20% where we're together on a time for, you know, kind of basis. I still have to change context and that's create some waste. I have to catch up. I have to figure out where things were when I left off yesterday. So there's some waste in that. Another problem that occurs is let's say that I needed to produce something so that you can continue 
or, you know, it's a dependency of some sort. We needed to collaborate, but I'm not immediately available. I'm like still swamped in something else. Well, now there's even more waste. There's wait, there's delay. Maybe it won't even happen today. It's got to wait till tomorrow or next week or who knows when. So all of those really get complicated to manage. I would say that last one is complicated (laughs) because we have that a lot of the time already. Um, And so just context switching wise, if you think about the fact that it takes 35 minutes for somebody to get their head back into the zone when they switch. Um, If you're working on five things, that's almost three hours a day. You're going to lose just switching back and forth. So that's a massive tax to pay for the illusion of being, I guess, more productive is what people think it's supposed to be if you're working on multiple things at once. Um, But it makes everything take longer. That's always the argument I run into um, and it's, it's not just with, you know, project managers, it's, it's often with leaders say, so, yeah, but I've, I've got all these people and they have all these skills. And if I were to create these, you know, dedicated teams that you want, I'd have to have five times as many, well, I can't afford five times as many people. So it just is what it is. Deal with it. <laughs> and, and so I, and I think there's a happy medium in some cases that could be pursued. Of course, always think about, am I, am I really prioritizing the way we work with the assignment of people to teams to optimize for budget and utilization or throughput of value. And you can't always have one or the other. I think there's a a point where you have to bring the two ideas together and do what's best. Yeah. I I did an interview recently for the, for the other podcast that I do with a former colleague of ours with, with Derek Heather. And he was talking about how at, at the job he'd been at before he went to Atlassian, they had that that perception that everybody had all these skills, they had all these things they had to finish. And he was able to convince them to run an experiment where they actually just took all the people that were spread across all those things, reduced the number of projects and let people finish things. And he proved to them that they didn't actually need all those extra teams. They just needed the teams that they had to do less stuff and to finish some things. And that, and, and apparently they made a massive change because of this and saved tons of money. Well, I have a example with that. I suspect it's one of our case studies um, that we we share often with with potential clients or with clients, and it was similar. A couple of years ago, basically took and ran an experiment, and it was successful with like one set of teams, and we expanded that. And over the course of time, realized you know we didn't actually have to hire more people. We could produce twice as much stuff if we just didn't context switch as many things. Yeah, people had more time and reduce the whip. You know, focus on the finishing instead of you know starting fourteen different light items on a Gantt chart. Yeah, let's finish the top three before we even tackle the rest yeah. and see what kind of results they're going to produce. Yeah, so uh, this is one of the things. If if you're listening to this and you're familiar with the leading agile approach, um, the we 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 talk about everything in threes at leading agile. <laughs> And, and the basic three that you have to have, one of the first things you have to have for this stuff to work is stable teams. Um, you have to well, have a well-formed backlog, stable teams, and the ability to consistently make and meet commitments. Um, I don't know if I said that in the exact leading agile speak, but that those are the three, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's teams, backlogs, working tests, the product, right? Let's just focus on those three things. And I think that, so the experiment I'm running right now, for example, I, I talked with a team and the team members, there's 30 team members, so it's big team. They're working on like, I don't know, 16, 17 different projects. And the people, like they go to all these different 
you know, backlog discussions, they go to these different ceremonies. And, and so what they've done is they've reconfigured a little bit into three teams. They're working against one big platform backlog. So all three teams support the big same platform. They've reconfigured to where these 16 projects are feeding the one big platform backlog from which each team pulls their individual team backlogs. And so today, for example, if I'm on that team, I might work on stories from six different projects, but instead of going to like six different project meetings or six different standups, cause we're doing projects or, you know, project focused right. kind of teams, we're actually just doing one set of ceremonies, one set of, you know, um, interactions. I might be producing things that it gets complicated when I'm trying to integrate it and deploy it because it's tied to different projects, but at yeah. least we've started to focus on finishing some high set of priorities on each team that feeds up to that bigger platform. So there's, there's different ways to think about it, to do it. Yeah. I think that, I mean, to me, one of the things I recommend to the digital agencies is if, if you have to be working on multiple projects at once, at least have the team be consistent, you know? So I've got, I'm with these eight people and like, maybe we have one backlog. I think what you just described would be ideal, but even if we had five different backlogs, at least I still want to be with the same people so that I don't have to worry about learning how to communicate with different groups. So these are two tips if you're dealing with this. One would be, um, like you were just describing, one backlog. We're all, we're all working out of one backlog so that even if it's multiple products or multiple aspects of a product, we have one well we draw from, right? Yep, good. And the other one would be, um, if you are working on a whole bunch of different projects, at least make sure that you're working with the same people every day. So the team can become consistent, can develop that cross functionality. And then even if they have to deal with like a brand new thing and a bunch of other things that they know and some things they hardly know, um, they can trust each other and they can learn how to communicate well together. I think if you, the worst case is if you have people spread across multiple teams and multiple projects because you're never going to get, I, I don't know how this stuff that we talk about is going to work in that, in that situation. Yeah. I think that's, that's really the case is you, you try to apply these principles, you know, scrum or Kanban, really it, it's, it's let's focus on really working together, understanding what's needed to be done, having a plan in place, working to the plan, interacting, inspecting, adapting on a regular basis. And if, if you've got to do that in like nine different settings in one particular day, nothing really effective is going to happen other than, and this is maybe a personal experience, like in those settings, I find myself managing more logistics and planning of what I'm going to do than actually doing. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was what my daughter's was working on her scorecard this weekend and she was spending more time trying to figure out how to order this stuff than she was doing. Like she could have done like four things in the time she spent trying to figure out how to do all the things. You can stay a little bit more focused on just getting something done. Sometimes it can propel you forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been doing interviews, Jeff and I've been doing a couple different interviews recently about how to try to affect change in an organization if you're not coming from a position of power or you don't feel like you have agency. So I'm wondering, Jeff, like, what would you say to somebody if they recognize that this is a problem, they're hearing what we're saying, we're kind of preaching to the choir, but this is a choir that doesn't feel can go up to management and be like, look, this isn't working. Like, what could I do if I was somebody on a team who realized this was a problem and didn't have 
the positional ability to convince management to try something else? How do I survive it? I'll start with an example that worked once for me and it got me fired the second time. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, 50 let's play here. With, let's play with the sharp knives. I'm, I'm telling you. So an example, <laughs> if, if you have at least enough agency, and this might be someone who, you know, they, maybe they're a scrum master, product owner, maybe they're a project manager, you know, you can actually bring the right people into a team setting and start to work against the, the things that have to be done with a single backlog. And it still externally looks pretty status quo, right? So there, there are plenty of ways to get people to work together. Again, some list of work. So I've got a team and I've got a backlog. And you do that and, and you are still exposing what you're doing, but you also start to message, here's what we've changed. It's still showing, you know, kind of progress and output. And because we made this change, we've also seen some improvements. So you should also then have metrics and data to show, hey, we we now know what our velocity is. May not be stable yet, but at least I know what it is. Yeah. Um, if it's stable, even better, because that kind of strengthens the argument. So that's that's the situation that I think you could try. And if you don't have that agency, you're not willing to take the 50-50 bet on getting fired like Jeff did. Um <laughs> Then I think another I've seen work, and a lot, a lot of times this is all we can come in and do as a, a trainer. It's, you know, help to diagnose what the particular problem is, point to the best practices, show plenty of you know examples where others in the you know, company, industry, wherever have done this and seen success, and ask for a little bit of time and patience to run the experiment. Maybe it's only three or six weeks. But that's enough time, I think, if you manage it closely, you work well to show some improvement. I've seen plenty of teams, you know, that are able to get a little bit of that. Um, it's not even really permission. It's just space to do yeah. something different for a little while. They don't drop things on the floor. Don't, you know, kind of come in with the dogmatic thou shalt kind of an approach to things because that also creates its own set of noise. But it might be something to try as well. Yeah, I think that that's a really a really healthy idea is if if management has indicated they want to move to agile and they really like the idea of this twice the work and half the time or whatever they want things faster um you might remind them that a big part of this approach is becoming more efficient in how we work and towards that end just pitch the idea like let's treat this team and how we work together as just a constant series of experiments and this is one i would like to try first which is Let's baseline our productivity and then let's figure out what metrics, what metrics would convince you or would make you think we needed to change to fully dedicated teams. Um, and then design experiments around that. Um, or just just track your productivity and see how it changes. And you and you I usually say a quarter, but I guess long enough for the team to stabilize around the way of working, probably, so they could see the efficiencies. But um, I think figuring out up front what would help make the case or what would help tell a story that would make somebody in a leadership position be open to change is important. Yeah. I think a lot of those leaders they'll understand because honestly, they're probably in similar setting themselves where, you know, half their day is meetings to plan the next meeting or, you know, meetings to share something they've been doing. And then they, they have, you know, couple of hours a day and, and, you know, evening after the kids have gone to bed to actually do their work. So I think being able to 
tie it back to the, you know, here, here's what your goal is as, you know, a project sponsor or a leader or a product manager, whoever it is, it's kind of, you know, hold some of those decisions. I know what you're trying to achieve. Here's the problems we're running into. I think most people will get into a, you know, it may be a healthy debate, but at least it's a conversation to discuss why the two are not congruent with each other and figure out what can we do next? What can we do to simplify even one of the five problems? What can yeah. we do to eliminate one or two of those? I feel like when people ask this question, you know, in class that they're looking for, some of them I think are looking for somebody to say, like, it's okay, you really don't have to have fully dedicated teams. Um, so if you're one of those people, here's here's my response. It's okay. You don't have to have fully dedicated teams. You can fill your gas tank with sugar too and hope that your car's going to run right, and it's not. So I think if you want Scrum to work or Kanban or whatever practice you're using, if it's Agile, you need to have stable teams that are dedicated to ideally to one thing, at the very least dedicated to each other. Um, if you don't have that, I don't know. I, I don't think waterfall is going to help at either, but it's, it's not like this is a, it's okay thing. It's, it's just not going to work right. And, um, and fortunately, I'm curious to see how you respond to this, Jeff, but I've never seen a study that indicated multitasking worked or was physically possible. I don't know. Maybe management has secret reports that we don't get, but, um, are you aware of it ever working? Not personally, not as a coach with lots of teams. I think most people understand the, uh, you know, kind of tax that it has in terms of, of, you know, just trying to focus and then, oh, time to switch. And I, I hadn't even finished, you know, what I was working on, but now it's time to switch or something I have to go work on because someone needs me. Somebody sent me an email about the thing I was working on three hours ago afterwards. So I like, you just think through your particular, you know, typical day where you've got more than two or three things to focus on. You can realize how quickly, you know, when you've got 10, it, it spirals out of control. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, Jeff, thank you for taking time out for this. If you're listening to this, I hope this was helpful. Um, we could probably keep going on about this for hours, but um, I'm hoping that gives you enough to at least start having the conversations at work. If you have any follow-up questions for Jeff, Jeff, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, drop me a note on LinkedIn. Always happy to check things there and we can bring those back for other conversations. Okay, I'm also going to include a link to your leading Agile page and I will provide the same for myself. And if you have any questions for us that you'd like us to take on in a podcast, you can just send them to dave.prior at leadingagile.com. And my last name is spelled P-R-I-O-R. -R. So that's it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks.